Hey friends, I am Arcia, and I am so excited to share space and time with you. A Note from Stokes is a podcast for black and brown millennials as we navigate the world in which we occupy. Let's get into it. Hey y'all, it's Arcia here, and I know, I know it's been a minute, but your girl has been busy, you know, finishing up my spring semester of my doctoral program. Um, I'm currently in my summer um, semester of my program, so I just have a lot going on, but I did not forget about you guys, and I'm happy to be back with you. Um, This is episode 13, and it is called Dating a Narcissist. So we hear a lot about this on social media and conversations and just normal banter. This episode, we're going to spend time really getting into what a narcissist is, and I have a special guest with me. Her name is Deja Jones. You may have heard of her on a previous episode, Mm -hmm. Um, and so I'm excited to have her. She's going to talk about her experiences and just some common signs for you to kind of look out for. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, here is Deja Jones. Hi, Deja. Hi. (laughs) We are so happy to have you back. Thank you for agreeing to be with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, One of the things that I always say is that, you know, when we find ourselves in a place of healing, it's always important to get to a place where we can speak from wisdom Absolutely. and not a place from a, like of bitterness. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I've had this experience. And so now I'm just thinking, okay, so how do I share this experience with other people? Mm-hmm. Not necessarily in like venting or being upset or bitter, but as a learning experience sure. and so that others can be able to identify. Um, Cause narcissism is definitely one of those traits that's really hard mm-hmm. to identify. Sure. Because we all are a little bit narcissistic, mm-hmm, right? Like mm-hmm. we, we all take pride or excessive pride in, in some part of our life. Sure. You know, whether yep. it's a accomplishment or an achievement mm-hmm. or, you know, a house or just something that belongs to us and that we value dearly. Mm-hmm. You know, we all have the the capabilities of sure. being a narcissist. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. And I I want to ground this episode with a definition. And so what is NPR? What is Narcissistic Personality Disorder? And I found one online that I thought was a great definition. And so we're going to ground ourselves in that definition. So Narcissistic Personality Disorder, and you'll hear me refer to it as um, NPD, is a mental condition in which people have an inflated sense of their own importance, a deep need for excessive attention and admiration. Typically, they'll have trouble relationships and they just lack empathy for others. Um, And one thing that I found interesting is that according to studies and statistics, narcissistic personality disorder is found more commonly in men than women. The cause is unknown, but likely involves a combination of genetic and environmental factors. So, Deja, now that we see that narcissistic personality disorder is found more commonly in men, is that shocking and surprising to you? I don't think it's shocking or surprising because, you know, in our society, we really equate a lot of emotional and aptitude to men. Mm. You know, we always say women are a lot more emotional than men. Mm. And I think with narcissistic personality disorder, we tend to see those emotional lash outs manifest in either physical violence or we see it manifest in you know, just like an all-out anger, aggressive tantrum. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And those are, unfortunately, uh, emotions that are often attributed to, you know, men. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's not 
is not uh, surprising to me. Mm-hmm. And then when you look at the thing or the fact that it could be a genetic or environmental factor, mm-hmm. you know, my thought immediately goes to people who live in um, like low socioeconomic communities, mm-hmm. you know, people mm-hmm. who didn't grow up in communities with clean air and water and, you know, even uh, people who grew up in dysfunctional families. Sure. You know, we, we've all had some dysfunction in our family, but you know, we don't realize how those childhood traumas can really come back on us when we're adults. And we really don't think about how, you know, our communities can have a really big effect on our emotional and our temperamental states. Absolutely. Um, I think for me, um, I was in a relationship with someone who had MPD, mm-hmm. but I didn't know it. We were together for actually seven years, and I didn't know what initially. I knew that something was off, but I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, it was just a lot of love poured into me, a lot of love bombing, right? Mm-hmm. And then there would be these moments where, like, things just kind of derailed and was just he became like super unhinged mm-hmm. and I just did not know what it was. So I feel like someone with NPD, um, they have the tendency to pull you in through the love bombing and through the mm-hmm. caring and also not just pull you in, but pull your community and whether that be your family, your friends, Absolutely. and then they switch up. And so I, I noticed for me that that was a common theme in my previous relationship. So I know that I started this episode with a definition, but what is your personal definition of someone with NPD? Um, I think MPD is definitely someone who has like this false sense of entitlement. And so I know the definition says self-importance, but you know, entitlement is also a really big part of that mm-hmm. where a lot of times people who are narcissistic, they never see themselves as, you know, like a, a responsible party in mm-hmm. a particular conflict, but they still have this sense of entitlement that they're owed an apology and that they're owed like something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I think it's someone who really has like this false sense of entitlement. I also think that it is someone who does not have an emotional capacity. You know, Mm -hmm. they they don't have any emotional awareness or intelligence Mm -hmm. to even be able to empathize with other people. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. that's part of the reason why it's so hard for them to take responsibility for their part in conflict mm-hmm. and they all they can't handle conflict you mm-hmm. know especially when it's directed towards them but here's my thing like we talk about insecurities um something that is common with people with npd mm-hmm. but when you think about it all of us have insecurities so what separates a narcissist with their insecurities versus a, a regular person with insecurities i think the difference is that people who are narcissists they use it as a tool to devalue the person or yeah like the person they're either with mm-hmm. or the person who's their victim. And so mm. it's like, yeah, I take pride in who I am and I do have a sense of self-importance because of the hard work that is taking me to get where I am, mm-hmm. but I'm not gonna use that as a, a tactic to belittle someone or sure. to make someone feel less than who mm-hmm. they are. Mm-hmm. But then I'm also not going to, you know, just constantly have like these verbal abusive attacks with this person either and I think that's the difference I think it's the lack of awareness that Mm. that separates us right 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 and I'm as an individual in my growth I become extremely cognizant of self-awareness I think that's a big deal Mm -hmm. and I also think people who struggle with MPD they have no sense of self-awareness and when it's something that you bring up to them it either goes back to you like it's always someone else's fault always a lack of accountability and so I can see how a person who has MPD struggle with the idea of you know Mm self-awareness and even if you're like 
giving constructive criticism. Like even if you're just trying to help this person be better or if you're trying to guide them towards a certain like more suitable decision, they don't see it that way. They mm. see it as you're attacking me or you're, you're kind of pointing out a flaw that I have, and mm -hmm. that's a problem for them mm -hmm. because they they want to be they want to be perfect, mm -hmm. which nobody is perfect. And so, it's kind of like even if you're trying to love and support this person into growth and personal development, it's still viewed as an attack on mm -hmm. who they are. Now, let me ask you this. this: is a little early in the episode for me to ask this, but I'm just curious, right? Do you think someone who has MPD, do you think they can change, or do you think this is just who they are? I think. Well, as a as an outside party, like if I'm in a relationship with someone who has MPD, I can't be the person to help them change. Mm -hmm. It has to come from them. You know, they have to realize that they have an issue and seek help for it. Mm -hmm. And so it's really hard for that to happen because of the lack of awareness that they mm -hmm. have mm -hmm. and their, their need to constantly be a victim. Right. And so mm -hmm. I've seen in some cases where there might be a person who's a, a narcissist to the point where it is a, a medical diagnosis, they'll be at this state in their relationship where they feel like they're losing control mm -hmm. because it's all about control. And they're losing their supply, they're losing this this person that's feeding this uh, their ego. Right. And so they might do the most extreme thing and seek out therapy. Mm. You know, okay, I'm, I'm gonna be better, I promise I'll, I'll do better, I'm sorry for my behavior, I'm gonna go to therapy. Right. And you might be thinking, oh, okay, well, this person is going to go to therapy, you know, and I didn't even have to, like, bring that up. Like, mm -hmm. they decided on their own that they want to do therapy. Mm -hmm. But then what usually happens is when they get to therapy, and if you're a therapist who doesn't have any, like, background context on the relationship sure. and you're only working with the individual, mm -hmm. it's easy for the therapist to also be manipulated by mm. a narcissist. Wow, yep. And so I've seen that happen. You know, I've had friends who are therapists who tell me all the time that working with people who are narcissists are some of the most exhausting people to work with. Wow. Because, you know, you really have to look for the signs. Mm -hmm. And most people who are narcissists, they're doing it in relation to another person. Right. And so unless you're in a couple's therapy session, it's like you're not getting both sides of a story. Right. You're, you're so, getting, if that, so if that other person party isn't there, you're getting one side. And yeah. you don't really get a comprehensive view of what's actually going on. Right. And the person who's a narcissist, they're going to spin it so they're the victim. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Which then could make therapy ineffective. Right. Yeah. Okay. So as someone who recently came out of a situation where you say that you dealt with a person who had MPD before, and we're going to talk about that a little bit, but what are some common signs of individuals um, with MPD? Um, yeah. So I will honestly say people always say, look for red flags in the beginning. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to see the red flags in the beginning mm -hmm. because the person's entire persona is false. You know, mm. it's, it's false on purpose. Mm -hmm. And so they will make themselves into the person that they think you want them to be. Mm -hmm. And it will last as long as it can. Could mm. be a month, couple months, could be year, years. Years in my why, case. Yeah. And that's why, you know, in most normal relationships, we call it the honeymoon phase. Mm -hmm. But it's something so much different for someone with narcissism. Mm -hmm. Because they're, it's not just the honeymoon phase. It's, a, it's an entire, like, thing that they're actually doing. Right. Um, and so I think for me, one of the things that really started to make me open my eyes throughout mm -hmm. that relationship is just how quick things would like just turn over. Mm. And so it's like, okay, 
one minute we're in this like super super like loving experience together it's like love bombing the hell out of me mm, like <laughs> yes love bombing my my parents yeah. my family my mm-hmm. friends everybody loves this person like mm-hmm. oh this is a nice person they seem pleasant and kind hearted but then mm-hmm. like when there's a small little conflict it's not even anything like super big it's like mm-hmm. a little small little spat it goes literally from 0 to 100 like super quick yes yes but I know, like, for most people who have, like, a regular, like, sense of emotional, like, intelligence Mm -hmm. or maturity, Mm -hmm. they're going to try to avoid uh, aggressive argument, right? Right. They're going to try to have a mature conversation, communication about whatever this conflict is. Mm -hmm. But a person who has um, narcissistic personality disorder, they're going to resort to attacks. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just going to be right off the bat attacks. They're going to try to say the most hurtful thing that they can think of to say to you. Mm-hmm. And they're going to try to do it by thinking about the things that you're insecure about. Mm, yes, so true. And yep. they're going to call them out. Like, yep. they're going to call out your insecurities and use them against you. Right. And it might even be things that aren't even relevant to mm-hmm. the argument. Mm-hmm. Like, we can be arguing about the color red and you're telling me about, you're, you're accusing me of, like, Oh, cheating and trying like and it's right. just like how do we get from apples? How to does oranges? this even correlate? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and so and those are things that really started to open my eyes up, and I'm just like, this person is not stable. Yeah, like, there's something happening here because, you know, things that would normally be okay, now when we're in conflict, they're being blown up as a, a issue right. that doesn't even have anything to do with what started the conflict right 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 so yeah i just started to look at how this person was just hot and cold all the time and how they were one way in front of like friends and family and then a totally different person behind closed doors i started to check in more with myself Mm -hmm. like how are you like how are you feeling deja Mm -hmm. and i usually answer myself back oh i'm okay oh i'm not good Mm -hmm. and then like Mm -hmm. and i'm one of those people that really talks to myself yeah i'm like you good no i'm not good what's wrong and so now I'm now I'm asking myself what's wrong, and I'm thinking about the things that's that's wrong. Right, right, right. And I just noticed like my entire personality was starting to change. You know. Oh my goodness, girl, <laughs> you are singing to the choir. I want to go back to a piece that you said about the love bombing, mm-hmm. and I think that is one of the qualities that makes it very challenging for the victim to walk away, mm-hmm. right? Because you are you are you've become accustomed to the way this person treats you, talk to you, especially when it's positive and loving and affirming mm-hmm. and edifying. And so when they switch, even though it is uncomfortable and even though it doesn't feel good, you're still longing for that love bombing or how they made you feel in previous situations, right? Mm-hmm. And so people people would say to me all the time like, "Arcia, how did you stay with this person for 7 years?" And I'm like, "Because I there was a constant longing for things to go back to the way that they were." Yeah. Or this person, there was so much gas Gaslighting, I begin to question myself. Like, is yep. this really an issue? Like, did I make this an issue? Knowing, you know, damn well that no, this is problematic. This is not good for me. But I now, because a narcissist, what a narcissist can do, it, they can get you to a point where you don't even trust your own instinct, right? You don't trust your own feelings, mm-hmm. and so it, it, you can just get into the cycle. And the next thing you know, you've been with a person for damn near a decade, right? Yeah. Um. So let's move on to this next question, right? So I want you to just tell our listeners a little bit about your romantic involvement with an individual with NPD. It can be a situation. It could just be the general overall arching of the relationship, whatever you want to share with us. Yeah. So the love bombing was something that I, I definitely noticed, like 
right away. Like, and I, I actually named it for him too. I said, listen, like you can't just be out here like making me upset and then trying to love bomb your way back into like my good graces. Mm-hmm. And it was, it became a cycle to the point where I started to see it mm-hmm. because like I said, sometimes it's hard to see because you think this person is just being genuinely nice and they're actually really sorry and I also started to listen to the apology. Right. Like the apologies were not real. Mm. And the apologies mm. also did not address the behavior. Right. It always came out as, oh, I'm sorry you took what I said that so way. So ne- never taking ownership. Yeah. Or I'm sorry that you feel that way about the situation. And it's never like, I'm sorry because I know that I did this and this is how it made you feel. Mm. And so even with the apologies, they were very backwards. And mm. it was just kind mm. of like putting it, putting the onus back on me. Like... It's not my fault you took it this way, but if you want to feel this way, I'm sorry. Mm. And not really be sorry. Um, And then also, I just also started to notice that when we did have a conflict, because the thing about masks, they always come off eventually. Right. You You have to. Yep. Yep. And so you can be as charming as you want to be in front of friends and family, but at some point, they're going to start to get glimpses of Mm -hmm. your true colors. Right. And then there were some cases where that actually did happen. Mm -hmm. And I noticed that his remorse was not about the way he treated me in that in those situations. Mm-hmm. His remorse was more so how friends and family are now going to perceive him. Mm, oh, yes, girl. <laughs> And so yes. it's now, oh, man, like, so-and-so, they're not going to want to be around me no more, or they're not going to talk to me no more. And it's just like, that's what you're sorry about? It's like you're worried about the wrong things, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, it's always about how someone will perceive them instead of taking full ownership and full responsibility for their actions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's for me, it's just like, okay, but you're not in a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. You're in a relationship with me, right. and you've not even apologized for the way that you treated me. Right. You're scared now that you're going to be judged by other people mm-hmm. because they've seen your true character. Sure. And that was, like, something that really made me, like, start to to question, like, the authenticity of this relationship. Mm-hmm. I'm like, because it, it didn't feel, it started to not feel like a relationship. Because mm. it's like, I've had love in my life. And even though, like, you know, those relationships didn't work out, it was never like this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I've had some falling outs with men I've dated, mm-hmm. and it has never gotten to this level of, like, verbal abuse. Mm-hmm. And so that was the thing that really made me start to see the difference. Like, mm-hmm. there's, there's... I mean, there's human and emotional breakup. Sure. Like, you know, there's never going to be an opportunity where people are skipping out of a relationship Mm -hmm. and both on the same terms. And so I've been on both ends of it. Mm -hmm. But I was like, this is something entirely different. Mm -hmm. Like, this is beyond me. Right. (laughs) So that was the thing that really made me, like, really think about it's time for me to go. And then, you know, when you get in a relationship with somebody, some of the first conversations that you naturally have with them our check-ins about past relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, like, what are some things that happened in your past relationships that you might still be working on or, you know, that you might still need some help getting through? And right. these are conversations that he and I had. Mm-hmm. And one of the last arguments that we had, it was completely unrelated, but, you know, in a previous relationship that really messed me up for a long time, it was it involved infidelity. Mm-hmm. You know, I was mm-hmm. cheated on. And he used that as a as a way to, like, provoke me into anger Mm. it was a way and the argument had nothing to do with cheating infidelity or anything but he decided to pull that out (laughs) of the bag very wild and use it in an argument Mm -hmm. how did that make you feel in that moment though 
I would have been ready to fight. Honestly, <laughs> I felt so bad. Like I, I, I literally felt so hurt because mm. I'm like, you know, that was something that I told you out of like trust. Mm-hmm. And I told you that because it was a conversation that we were having about, you know, traumas and stuff that we've experienced. Mm-hmm. And so for you to throw that back in my face like that, you know, I, I felt hurt, but I also felt like betrayed. Like, how dare you? Like, right. You know, it's like, how dare you tell me that I take the act of cheating too seriously? Wow. It's wow. like, really? That's not normal. I'm right. like, that's not normal behavior. Right, right, right. And so that was the thing that really, it was like the final straw for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that relationship lasted for longer than it should have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the first things that I walked away with was anger. Mm-hmm. And not towards him, but more so anger towards myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think we do that a lot. Like when we find ourselves coming out of an abusive situation, the first person we'll blame is ourselves. Sure. Mm-hmm. Just like that person blamed us for everything, we'll start to blame ourselves. Like, you know, I should have left way sooner than mm-hmm. I did. Or mm-hmm. how can I let something like that happen to me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you feel embarrassed, but then you also feel like self-anger. Right, but I also think when you're in that, when you end a relationship and you're in that period of reflection, there needs to be a little grace extended to yourself because, mm-hmm. like you mentioned earlier, this person had on a mask, so you kind of fell for who you thought they were, not who they actually were, right? Mm-hmm. Or who you thought they was, not who they actually were. And so there has to be some grace extended to yourself, and there also can be some accountability as well. I think accountability is healthy, like, okay, you know, what made you stay longer than you needed to stay? Or how can you take what you learned in this situation Mm -hmm. and use that so you don't find yourself in this situation again? And I guess that's kind of what I want to get into next. Like, how has your experience with this person changed the way you approach dating? Yes. So for me, I think moving forward with dating, I think it's important to really know, like, what someone's emotional, like, maturity levels Mm -hmm. are. And, I mean, it's hard to gauge that from one or two dates or anything like that. But it's a conversation, you know, like, ask questions about the world. You know, mm-hmm. ask questions about things that are happening in the world to really see how that person is processing it. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I noticed about, you know, the last guy that I, that I was dating who was a narcissist was that his entire world revolved around social media. And it wasn't necessarily from an empathetical place on the things that are happening in the world, Mm -hmm. like, you know, police brutality or women's health care. It was more so around the the toxic drama of Kevin Samuels. Yeah. Oh, black men versus black women wars. Mm -hmm. You know, Charlemagne, Mm -hmm. like Joe, Mm -hmm. but like people like that were kind of like the things that enticed him the most. Sure. And he always he was very intrigued and interested in conversations that really like pitted black women and men against each other, Mm -hmm. but then even just like this concept of high value men, which really plays into like that grandiose girl (laughs) i'm so tired of hearing about high value men because those who talk about it don't even meet the criteria to be a high value man and so that was going to be my next question how do you and i think you was touching on it a little bit but how has social media played into this 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 idea this ideology this topic Mm -hmm. about narcissism or just and i guess you touched on a little bit with this whole high value man but man Mm -hmm. but where do you how do you think social media plays a role I think I think a person who chooses to indulge in social media on a consistent basis really has to have a high level of critical thinking mm. because we can choose who we want to be on the internet. Yep. You know, like unless you know these people in real life, 
you don't know like what people are posting and how that correlates to their actual lived experiences. Mm-hmm. And so I think some people who don't have like that high level of critical thinking, it's like everything online is real. Right. Like every experience is real. Mm. You know, if somebody said then then it must be true. And I think, you know, it's really sh- it's really shifted like especially with dating, mm-hmm. it's really made dating culture so toxic. Yeah. Because I think now people are dating more so for entertainment so mm-hmm. they can have things to share on social media. A topic, right? Yeah. Something to discuss. Yeah, so let me tell you about this guy we're on the date with. Mm-hmm. And then we got these $200 date conversations recycling every uh, two days. Yes, recycle <laughs> Every two days. It's like, let's find something else to talk about. But people love drama. Mm-hmm. And so even if you are somebody who thinks you want love and think you want a loving relationship, if you're someone who thinks that drama is like the key to right. like clout and having a successful relationship, mm-hmm. you're not going to have one. Yeah, And so I think... You know, it's important to really have conversations with people you're dating that will give you some type of, like, visual or idea on their level of empathy for mm-hmm. what's happening in the world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in terms of, like, me and him, when we w- when I would try to initiate conversations with him about things that's happening in the world, he never wanted to talk to me about mm. it. What was his never response? Really had what, what, some, what was a common response? Um, Never really had, like, too much of a, a deep thought or an opinion okay. about things. Mm-hmm. And would rather talk to his friends than me because I was too intelligent. And that that was one of the things that he u- tried to use against he me. He actually said that. Yeah. It was one of the things that he tried wow. to use against me was wow. my level of intelligence. You and know? y'all, by the way, she's in a whole PhD program. <laughs> but continue. <laughs> but, yeah, I think knowing someone's emotional maturity is so important. And I think you tweeted something not too long ago that you now have to date people who are in your, what was it that you? Intellectual class. Intellectual class. Can we Mm -hmm. talk your shit? Can we talk (laughs) a little, what do you mean by that? Well, I know what you mean, but tell us more. Yes. So I think as women, and Mm -hmm. it's a trait that we all have, Mm -hmm. we we have like this natural instinct to want to nurture and care Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. and help grow and help be better. And so sometimes we'll settle for, the guy who might not have it all, but who has the potential to, because we think that we can like love and will this person into like their full selves. Right. And then there's also like this idea that society is always trying to humble women. And yes, so we do it before absolutely. they can do it. <laughs> like, wow, we do it before they wow. Yeah. We can't just we can't just go over that. We hum so basically we humble ourselves before we allow people to do it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Like Wow. We don't walk around flaunting our resumes and like the properties that we own and things like that. And so, you know, we might be somebody who out here with six figures, PhD, like you got your own life going for you. And here you are, you know, there's this nice guy, he's blue collar, and you know, he might not have it all, he mm-hmm. might not come from a background where he has a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, do I look like uh, B-I-T-C-H and be like oh no I can't date you because mm-hmm. you don't got this type of money or you don't got these type of like accolades and then be the bad guy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or do I look at the personality of this person and say oh okay you know they have a really cute personality you know I like talking to them and then I go that way and then you end up in situations like I just came out of. Mm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I'm just like, I'm not doing it anymore. Like, now, that's, I just want to be clear. That's not to say if you date someone in your, how do you say it, intellectual mm-hmm. class. That's not to say you can't come across a narcissist in that way either. Absolutely. <laughs> but I also think that maybe it's like a, a vetting process, a weeding out process. Mm-hmm. Would you would you say yeah. that? Yeah. 
And I think what I mean by that is more so, can I vibe with you on the same, like, mental level, Mm -hmm. right? Like, can we have deep conversations? Can we have some, like, ratchet conversations? Duality. Yeah, like, how well-rounded is this person, you know? Because people equate intelligence to degrees, and no, girl, they are not, they, yeah. it's not it, right? <laughs> yeah, no. That doesn't mean anything. Not at all. But from that last situation, it was kind of like, I was mocked for my vocabulary. Mm. Oh, your vocabulary is too big. I'm just like, well, the English language only goes up to 11th grade. And right. so, like, how big is my vocabulary? <laughs> Come on, I need you to acquiesce. <laughs> so, like, let's go. Like, right. what? And then you, and so, I, and I'm also not a confrontational person. Like, mm-hmm. if we're in conflict, I'm going to talk to you, and we're going to find sure. a lesson in this. That was a problem for him. Oh, no, you need to yell sometimes and get upset. Everything can't be a life lesson. Oh, my God. And I'm like, who encourages people? Like, so like, you really want a love and hip-hop relationship. And exactly. I'm sorry, but I, I that's not what I have to offer, <laughs> right? Right. right. Um, yeah, that's, that's so wild. And I think in regards to intelligence and different levels of that, if I'm in a relationship, with, like I'm dating someone now, she's brilliant, right? If I don't understand something or if she uses a word, mind you, I'm brilliant as well, but if she mm. uses a word or something that I don't understand, I love that stuff. It challenges yeah. me. Let me look this up or let me right. look up this theory. What does this mean? And so in a healthy dynamic, you know you can learn from each other right Mm -hmm. i I mean i feel like that's important i'm not someone trying to make you dumb yourself down so that they can understand no you need to rise to the occasion yeah and then also i think one of the things that's important to note too and you know after that situation ended i really had to do some research you know i had Mm -hmm. to talk to some therapists to figure out like Mm. what just happened to me wow (laughs) like what was this and honestly like when i left that relationship there was a really big feeling of relief and that was the thing that really affirmed to me that i made the right choice wow Mm -hmm. but there's still the impact of all the things that i experienced during the duration of that relationship and so i really did reach out to therapists and just ask questions like Mm -hmm. you know what is like what just happened, like, (laughs) what's going on, like, with this person. And, you know, they were talking about, like, three really big stages of people who are narcissists. Mm -hmm. Um, And they call it um, idealization, Mm -hmm. which is, it's kind of like when you first start dating them Mm -hmm. and you're in that honeymoon phase. The only difference with someone who's narcissistic is that they'll paint a portrait of you as perfect, Mm -hmm. right? Like, you're the perfect person. You are a person without faults, and they put you on this unattainable pedestal. Yep. And then, you know, once you start to slip through the cracks and you start to show that I'm a human with flaws, then comes the stage, they call it devaluation, Mm. where, you know, you start to deal with the verbal abuse, right? It's it's kind of like this person, they now realize that you're not the perfect person that they idolize Mm -hmm. in their heads. Mm -hmm. And so now they're in this place of disillusionment. And now that now you've lost your value to them, wow. and that's where the anger comes from. That's where the aggression comes from. That's where like this sense of entitlement comes from. Where it's like, oh, well, you're not perfect either, and so you should do this or you need to do that. Mm-hmm. And then like when they feel like you're about to leave, or when they feel like they're losing control of you, they'll be super apologetic, mm-hmm. but it won't be authentic. It mm. it will be just enough to keep you in the love bomb and what happened. It's a cycle. And there's even some cases where it's called discard, which is like the last phase of a narcissist, mm-hmm. when they decide that they don't have any more use for you. Wow. Like, you're no longer feeding their ego. You've woken up to, like, their BS. Wow. And so now they need to move on. It's so and funny <laughs> because hearing you say that go through the stages, 
I remember each and every one of those stages of my previous partner. In the mm-hmm. beginning, he would talk a lot about his ex-girlfriend and how she wasn't this and how mm-hmm. she wasn't that, but I was. Like, yeah. I was the anomaly. Like, I was the outlier, right? Like, yep. and so I felt good. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm that girl, right? <laughs> yep. um, and then when you when they realize that you're human and you are flawed, which we all are, right, mm-hmm. then they almost, like, use that against you, right? Yeah. So they it's, try to use your flaws against you, attack you, try to make you feel less than. They attack your self-esteem, your self-worth. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you let them... That relationship can last for years. Yes, and you lose yourself. Like mm-hmm. you, lo- like I felt like towards the end of the relationship, I became a zombie. Like just mm-hmm. walking around, yeah. not trusting my own instinct. Um, just very, very broken. I remember he said I was too um, full of myself, or I was too conceited, or whatever. And so I tried to not talk about different accomplishments or things mm-hmm. like that. So towards the end of the relationship. Even though there was a sense of relief that it was over, I still did not know who I was anymore. Like, I was still yeah. very broken. Um, and I'm thinking about when you mentioned how you told him about your ex-partner um, who where there was infidelity involved. I remember telling my ex-partner about an insecurity that I had about myself. And he would get mad and throw that in my face, mm-hmm. girl. And you, But you share with these people because, one, they're your partner and there's a you feel like you've established trust within a relationship right. just to find out that they're going to use it against you so it's just mm-hmm. it's just such a, it's a terrible it's a terrible dynamic and it can get you to a point where you no longer even trust yourself and I want you to talk about that a little bit because it's like because this person is gaslighting you so much and making you feel like mm-hmm. the problems you think exist do not exist how do you begin to I guess garner that trust back into yourself after questioning it for so long yeah, um, it was the same for me. Like, mm-hmm. we started to have conflicts all the time. Mm-hmm. And it just got so exhausting because I could never get a word out. Mm-hmm. And he would always try to beat me to saying what he thought I was going to say mm-hmm. when it wasn't what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. And I just got to the point where I didn't want to argue anymore. And so mm-hmm. it just became, okay, I became so passive, like, yes. in that relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, so passive. Mm-hmm. Whatever he said, it was, okay, whatever. Like, let's end this now because I don't want to talk about it anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think I just got I got to a place where I was in zombie mode too. Like mm-hmm. I just got tired of constantly just saying okay and letting it be yeah. and not saying what I needed to say. And honestly, like as a kid, I was a very quiet kid. Mm-hmm. And I had a very hard time speaking up for myself as a kid. It was something that I struggled with my entire childhood. Mm. And so when I got older and I started to have like adult experiences, like even in my teens, I started to become very vocally outgoing because mm-hmm. I, I knew what it was like for me as a kid to not have that. Right. And so I just got to a point at the end where I did become somebody else. Mm-hmm. I noticed that I was angry all the time. Mm. I noticed that whenever somebody would ask me about him, mm-hmm. I would never have anything good to say. Mm-hmm. And it's like, when you get to that point, it's time to go. Yep. And it got to the point now where I went from being passive aggressive Mm -hmm. to passive and then overly aggressive Mm -hmm. and it would be to the point where we would get into an argument i'm calm at first i'm talking to him trying to de-escalate and trying to coddle his emotions even though i'm while you're hurting yeah that's getting hurt and then it would get to the point where now i'm blowing up and now we're on the same level of anger and now Mm -hmm. it's a screaming match and all that stuff and (laughs) i'm just like this is not me Mm -hmm. like this is draining my energy right and so uh, yeah, it was time for me to go once I got there. And going back to what you said earlier, you're getting to a point where it's like you don't want to argue anymore. It's just like, okay, okay. Like I know my previous previous partner 
when we would have a dispute or whatever the case may be, he would talk for it. We would, I would look at the phone. It would be three, three hours, hours. We've been yeah. on the phone, and I've maybe said, "Okay, like, I understand. Yep. Okay, okay." <laughs> And it, it was almost like a lecture because I really wasn't talking. He was facilitating the entire conversation. Yeah. Um, and I was just so drained. I'm just like, okay, like you, you want to resolve the conflicts quickly. So it's just like, okay, whatever you say. All yeah. right. And you lose your voice, you lose yourself. And I mean, you know me, you know that I am very outspoken. <laughs> I'm going to say what I need to say. Yeah. And, but in that relationship, I just lost myself. Right. Yeah. So that that's a big thing. Um, anything else you would like to share about this topic? Um, yeah, I just think that you know the the end is near when the love bombing doesn't even work anymore. Mm. Like <laughs> it gets to a point where wow. the love bombing happens. Like you and, and that know, love bombing could go to hell. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I will say that people who are narcissists or people who do have narcissistic personality disorder, it's so it's such an insidious disorders to have mm. and so it's like you don't know some of them don't know they have it right they just think that their behavior is normal mm -hmm. like it's just what people do and then for people who are victims of it you don't know what's happening to you mm -hmm. because it's such a like swift cycle right mm -hmm. like this person love bombs you you had a little spat okay everybody argues sometimes mm -hmm. and now it's back to the loving and so now it's just like oh okay well we all argue nobody's perfect mm -hmm. and so it's easy for the cycle to continue when there isn't like an awareness that is happening to you. Um, and I will say that people who are narcissists, they don't view their partner as like their partner. Mm -hmm. it, you know, the, the term for it that a lot of therapists use is supply, mm. because like you're, you're a supply to them, right? Wow. And your entire job is to help them keep their egos inflated, right? Wow. It's to help them keep the mask over their insecurities and it's to feed that self-importance that they have. Mm -hmm. And when they no longer have a use for you, like when you decide not to be a part of that anymore, mm -hmm. they do what's called a discard. And so they'll either threaten to break up with you, but because they've gaslit you so much, you'll probably fight them on it. Mm. And you want to work it out with yes, them. Yes, yes, yes. Or what ends up happening is that they'll they'll try to get you to be the initiator of the breakup. Mm. And so they'll say probably the most extreme and hurtful and like triggering thing to you to make you be the, the aggressor in the breakup right. so that they can retain their victim status. Right, right. And so it's like, oh, well, she broke up with me. Or, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like, oh, well, you know, I guess we're not working out no more. And so, or so you can be like, oh, no, we should work on things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so it's a manipulative mind game. Like, it really is. Right. Um, well, let me ask you this. So for someone who may be listening to this who is considering ending a relationship with a person who has MPD or has already ended a relationship with someone who has MPD, what are some self-care tips that you can give them? Or what are some self-care, what is a self-care routine that you use for yourself to deal with this mentally, emotionally? Um, yeah, what, what, what would you say? What would you recommend? I would just say always, like literally always choose yourself. Like, that's what I had to realize. Like, choose yourself because mm -hmm. you're losing yourself right now. And, like, yeah, like, choose yourself, first of all. Like, check in with you. Like, even if you've just had a big blow up with this person, mm -hmm. don't rush to coddle them, mm -hmm. right? Don't rush to help them, like, regulate their emotions. They will be fine. Yeah, check okay. in with yourself first. Yes. Like, what does that experience do to you? Mm -hmm. And, if it's done, like, some damage, like, which it probably has, mm -hmm. how can I walk away from this situation? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, the thing about narcissism is that, 
from my experience, it was a verbal abuse. Mm-hmm. You know, it was constant verbal abuse. And it was something that people couldn't see, right? Mm. It was something that was just happening to me. Nobody can see that I'm being verbally abused. Right. And because of the love bombing, it was hard for me to, to even tell my friends and stuff what was happening. And, I mean, some of my girls, they was ready to pull up. Right. But there were some <laughs> right. people that just couldn't believe that this person who had charmed them so deeply mm-hmm. could be capable of, like, the behaviors that I was telling them. Right. And so, yeah, it's like you got to choose yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And you know what you've experienced. But in some cases, people can go as far as physical abuse. Yeah. And so who's to say if I had not stayed any longer, it would have gotten physical. Sure. And, yeah. you know, it would have either caused him to, like, physically abuse me or would have provoked physical violence from me. Yeah. And it did get to that point. Mm. Like, I wasn't hit, but I hit because mm-hmm. of the fact that I had been triggered by this person so, like, deeply. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I'm not confrontational. Right. I've never been in a fight a day of my life. Yeah. Like, not in school, not in community. Right. Anything. I've never had a physical fight with anybody. Mm-hmm. But here I am, 32 years old, and it's supposed to be a fun night out with friends, celebrating uh, one of his accomplishments mm-hmm. and he decided to turn it into a, a, a night of like just drunken anger and aggression right and it really got me to a physical place because out of all the people that we were surrounded by that night he decided to like zoom in on me right. and use me as like a target mm. because he felt like i was easy target you know right. i had been dealing with his bs for so long right oh right. she ain't gonna do nothing right you know she gonna take it and that's gonna be it And, you know, so I lost myself. And Mm -hmm. that was kind of when I first started to say, okay, you're becoming somebody you are not. Right. And so when you feel like a relationship that you're in is changing who you are, and when you feel like, you know, it's really bringing you out of character, when you don't feel happy, when you should be happy, you know, it's it's important to check in. And it's important to have, like, a professional opinion. Like, even if it's, like, a one-day check-in with a therapist. Yeah. You might not have a consistent therapist, but they have a lot of therapists that do free consultations mm-hmm, that will mm-hmm. take your call. Reach out. They might be able to give you some insight that you didn't even know you needed. They mm-hmm. might be able to help you see some things that you missed, mm-hmm. you know. And I missed a lot. Like, I missed a lot of red flags because of, like, the love bombing. Right. And in hindsight, when I left, you know, you reflect. And I started to reflect on all the, the missed opportunities that I had to address the red flags. Right, right. And I think a major thing is to, and I mentioned this earlier, is to really, once you're on the other side, um, to really show yourself grace, right? Because mm-hmm. you just went through a very traumatic experience, right? Yep. Um, and so it's showing yourself grace, also getting to a point where you're able to kind of relearn yourself because you kind of lo- you kind of lose your voice in those relationships. Yep. So being able where you can trust yourself, trust your intuition, trust, trust your thoughts, right? And so mm-hmm. th- there is some work that needs to go into that that rebuilding um, phase. And also there is some grief involved, right? Yes, we know yeah. they were narcissists. Yes, they know, we know it was a terrible relationship. But the reality is you still loved and cared for that person. Mm-hmm. And so allow yourself to grieve. It is, you don't have, you don't have to, beat yourself up about it like oh I should be over this person because this person was a narcissist that's not how life works right and that's not the reality so you're going to feel a whole host of emotions and allow that feel those emotions um but whatever you do um choose you right because you don't want to return back to that because the reality is nine times out of ten this person is not going to change and if they are going to change you cannot facilitate that change that has to be something they decide on Mm -hmm. themselves and get this even when they decide to change it still 
still takes time, right? Yeah, it takes time. And it's so important to also, like, lean into community, too. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when things ended on my end, I, I called friends. Mm-hmm. Let's go out to brunch. Let's get a plan for the weekends. Let's hang mm-hmm. out. Let's do things. Because one of the things that tends to happen when you're in relationships like that is that you isolate yourself. Yes. You know, you, you realize you didn't spend enough time with friends or family because mm-hmm. you spent all your time with that person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's a really healing experience to reconnect with friends. Yeah. To go out, have brunch, have drinks, mm-hmm. go to the beach, do some fun things together, go on vacation. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, it's important to lean on community. Um, Absolutely. And I know sometimes it might be hard to share the experience, either because of embarrassment mm-hmm. or you might fear that no one's going to believe you. But share it anyway mm-hmm. and keep sharing it until people, like, understand. I had right. to keep telling, like, one of my guy friends, you know, I understand him. He wants to see the both sides of everything. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. he's one of those people I need to see, like, both sides of the situation to fully understand it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I had to explain to him 50, 11 million times, like, <laughs> this is what happened. All right. Like, we don't need another side of the story to mm-hmm. justify that the behavior was bad and like. also I, and also if you don't feel like you want to explain it you don't have to don't either have to, because right. that's your experience and you know what you went through right, right. um so you if you want to you can but i don't want anyone listening to feel like you necessarily have to mm-hmm. um because i also feel like that's that's you reliving the situation again trying to get someone that's to true. see your perspective trying to get someone to hear you and understand you right yeah. and so trust that you've been through that experience and do the work you know what i mean mm-hmm. And then, yeah, and then you'll get to a place where the more you share it, the less, I guess, like emotional attachment you have to yeah. it. You know, and I think that's where I'm at now, mm-hmm. where there's not so much as an emotional attachment to it, but it's it's just like, how can I share these experiences with people so that it doesn't happen to anyone else? Or if it is happening to someone, they know how to see the signs and mm-hmm. they know how to really choose themselves because... Like I said, for me, it was pretty much verbal, but for a lot of people, it goes so far as physical abuse. Yeah, for know, me, it was violence. a little bit of physical abuse as well, mm-hmm. more so um, more so mental and emotional abuse. Yeah. But there were in seven years, there were at least two times that I could think of very vividly where it did, you know, go to escalate to physical abuse. Mm-hmm. Um and I think one thing, I don't know if you dealt with this in your previous situation, but I know for me, I got to a point where I was like, will it ever get better, right? Or could I ever could I find someone better than this person? And that kind of made me stay too out of fear or leaning into lack, right? Mm-hmm. Feeling like, you know, this is it. This is the best it's going to get. And I want to be very, very candid. Another thing that made me stay as well was we had great sex. And that is another thing that, could be used to hook you and connect you to an individual Mm -hmm. because that's the only time where I felt like we were on one accord when we were having sex, right? Like we were in tune. Um, I felt like we were in tune spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, right? I even remember certain moments crying during sex because the feelings I was, it wasn't so much sex itself, but there was a closeness, there was a closeness and a cohesiveness that I was feeling that I did not feel in other aspects of our relationship. Right. Um, and yeah, and the sex is also what bonded us together and made me stay longer. But the reality is this. Listen, there are 24 hours in a day and we can't have sex 24 hours in a day for me right. to feel connected <laughs> to my partner. So there must be some other things at work. Right. And yeah. I think also it's the 
self-improvement part as well, making sure you're connecting with someone who takes value in self-improvement, whether Mm -hmm. that is therapy, whether that is journaling, whether that is, I don't know, talking to someone who will hold them accountable. I find with a lot of narcissists, people in their life, they do not hold them accountable. They are enablers, right? That's absolutely what it is. So when you you tell them they're doing something that's crazy, it's like, well, that's news to me because no one else has ever (laughs) told me this, right? So, you know, and really before deciding to be in a relationship with someone, like you said, Deja, asking the questions, but also listening for the things they don't say as well, mm-hmm. right? Because yep. pe- typically narcissists, they they just chat, 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 chat. But now it's like, what are you not saying? Mm-hmm. And then looking at the people in their life, who's in your life, right? Yep. Like, and, and how do they think and what are they doing? Yes. And, you know, I think that's one of the things that I, I recognize in hindsight. Like, this is a person who has a hard time maintaining relationships. Mm. Never had, a, uh, Never really had solid relationships in his mm-hmm. life romantically, and from a like a familiar um, standpoint, mm-hmm. but then even like friendships, you know, it's like all your friends think like you. Yep. You know, so mm-hmm. there's not one smartest person in the room. You know, it's like everybody's here with the same stuck mindset, and so so no one's challenging yeah. you. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that and that was kind of like the reflection too, because I'm like, you don't have friends holding you accountable. Mm-hmm. You don't have friends that are telling you that what you're doing is wrong, mm-hmm. and so. I, I don't I have my community, but then I don't even have any allies like on your end right. trying to like hold you accountable for the way that you're treating me. Right. Except for like maybe one or two of his family members. Mm-hmm. But he treated them the same way. Right. <laughs> so it's like, okay, well So maybe. what they would have said probably wouldn't have been impactful anyway. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um Man, like, th- I mean, I feel like this is one of the topics where we can go on and on because there's so many different things to uncover and discuss much, about this. You know, and people with NPD, they also suffer from a lot of other mental disorders, mm-hmm. too. You know, that can be equally as toxic. You know, depression, anxiety, mm-hmm. borderline personality disorder, mm-hmm. sociopath, you know, mm-hmm. psychopathy. Like, it's just a, it's a long list, you know. It's like a cocktail. Mm, <laughs> like, yeah. there's always something happening because a lot of these behaviors stem from either things that were lacked in childhood or things that they, they had in childhood that they feel like they're entitled to continue to have. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's just a, it's a long history. It's a long list. But like I said, the, the help starts with self, you know, like you can't love a narcissist into not being a narcissist. It's mm-hmm. a decision they have to make. And that's definitely some advice that, you know, people should hear, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. cause people with like people with personality disorders or, Things like that. It's not that they're incapable of love, but they might not be capable of giving you the love that you you want. Sure. And so yeah. you have to ask yourself, am I willing to settle and compromise mm-hmm. for what they think is love? Or should I go and get what I know I deserve? Right, right, right. And I think it, it requires you to be very honest, radically honest mm-hmm. with yourself, right? And ask yourself the tough questions and not be afraid to walk away if it does not, you know, if, if this situation cannot provide you for, you know, the things that you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and walking away can be hard, but it takes a lot of courage to do so. And they, I believe there is greatness on the other side of that, which leads me to my final question for you. Who are you now since that since the um since the ending of that relationship? Um mm-hmm. what has changed, right? Like I know you talked a lot about like you felt a relief once you left that relationship. I did. But like let's talk a little bit of ne- how things have changed since actually leaving and there being some time in between you le- in between the time you left. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I feel like I am 
rediscovering myself and my worth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm realizing that what I experienced was not what I deserved. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's it's definitely been like a confidence booster. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense, but mm-hmm. I've been out here like <laughs> mm-hmm. as like you should. I, okay, yeah, like when I left, I I didn't have one of those. Oh, let me sit and cry and like. Yeah, I left, and it was like that last scene in The Wiz, like when they when they shed their little ugly suits and they got the yellow on. Mm-hmm. It. it was literally like one of those experiences. Yeah. And I'm calling my friends, like, let's go to brunch, let's do this, let's yeah. get out here in the streets. And they are right, in the streets, you know, let's let's do it. Yeah. They're like, okay, we got Deja back, and so not so, we got Deja back. <laughs> and so that's literally where I've been, mm-hmm. and. Honestly, I have been healing in the process, and I have been reflecting in the process, mm-hmm. but I'm not making it, like, a, a daunting experience for me. Like, sure. It's like you are affirmed because you, you made a decision that really, like, validated that you, like, who you are, you know? Yeah. And then I also look at, and I do look at the things, and, I, and that's the narcissism in me. I do look at all that I've accomplished mm-hmm. and all that I've worked hard for, and I'm just like, you don't have room to have low self-esteem. Mm, <laughs> like, I no love room, that. <laughs> like, that's my affirmation. Like, you don't have any room to have low self-esteem. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you've worked hard to be here where you are in this life mm-hmm. on all aspects. And yeah, there's ways to go, but you've come far and you, you deserve to have people in your life yeah. who are going to continue to affirm and who are going to continue to support your growth and development not somebody who's going to try to bring you down to their level. Absolutely. Well, Deja, thank you for coming and sharing with us. Um, I know it, you know, it may have been hard to kind of talk about some of those topics and relive certain experiences, but I appreciate your vulnerability and your transparency. And I'm sure our listeners are going to, you know, take a lot from this episode as well. So thank you for coming today. Um, You're welcome. Before we end, we have a few rapid fire questions. And so when I say rapid fire, I just mean you can't think about it. So as soon as I ask the question, you kind of, you got (laughs) to answer it. All right. You ready? Mm -hmm. Okay. What's your favorite day of the week? Wednesday. Okay. What's your favorite non-alcoholic beverage? Mm, Seltzer and lime. Okay. What brings you joy? Reading. What's your biggest fear? Not being successful. Okay. To my standards. I'm going to say, y'all, because she already low-key. Well, not even low-key. She high-key successful. But I understand your standards. I definitely yeah. understand. Um, before we end today, um, guys, one, one, first of all, thank you for listening to this episode today. I hope there were some nuggets you are able to kind of take from this and apply it to your own life. I also want to say neither Deja and I, we are not therapists. And so if you want to kind of further expand on this topic, please, you know, I encourage you to talk with your therapist and mm-hmm. kind of get more information on this. Um, but I hope this was a healing episode for you and I hope that whenever it finds you, it finds you happy, whole and well until next time. Take care, be good to yourself, be kind to yourself. Mm